This is On Deck, conversations about entrepreneurship with Les Deck. My guest is Cindy Williams. Cindy is the CEO of Pinnacle Environmental Management Support, a company that has almost all or virtually all of the global producers of oil as its clients. I've known Cindy since 2005, so nearly 20 years now, right, Cindy? That's right. Uh, and I've been able to sit with her and watch her business change and grow, uh, and uh, it's been an exciting trip. So, Cindy, would you just take a moment and uh, give us a compact version of what Pinnacle does and how it's developed over the years? Sure, yes. Yeah, it's evolved over the years. We basically help UST owners handle the liability associated with cleaning up releases from those tanks and have evolved into a company that helps energy companies, environmental consultants involved in this work, real estate brokers, insurance companies deal with issues related to liability from cleanups in general. So we've broadened our services over the years as we found success in doing property research and being focused on um, environmental impacts to properties. So today we are a company that has three offices. Our um, our main office has been located in Deerfield Beach, Florida. We have an office in Greensboro, North Carolina, and one in Worcester, Massachusetts. And we have employees, uh, even before the pandemic, that were located kind of scattered across the U.S. Uh, as we found people that we really wanted to work with that we thought would be great fits uh, in our business model. So. Yeah. That's that's it in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, for those of you who didn't understand the uh, acronym UST is underground storage yes, tanks. That's right. Uh, Lots of acronyms. Most of them. <laughs> yeah. Most of them are, uh, or over the years, have been made of steel, mm -hmm. and they develop pinhole corrosion and leaks, and uh, the ground shifts. And anyway, oil gets out in a bloom, mm -hmm. or whatever's in the tank gets out in a bloom, and um, and then Cindy doesn't actually go out and dig that up. Right. Um, what is your role with respect to fixing these situations? So basically, we act as the um, claims manager. So in the, the cases where we're working for clients and that we act as a claims manager. So a lot of them are participating in the U.S. in state uh, insurance programs. Back in the mid-1980s, U.S. recognized that we needed standards, uh, well, really before that, not just for UST uh, compliance, but also for cleanups. And they, the states in response to the federal regulations out of EPA created these UST cleanup programs and funds that basically were amnesty programs, really. Many of them were, at least, where you came forward and said, I might have a release or I think I have a release. And the state created a revenue source coming from either tank registration fees from these owners uh, or tax, taxes or fees that would fund these cleanups to allow us to get to a cleaner, safer world because a lot of a lot of uh, or many states rely on groundwater for drinking water so there as as reported in the news i'm sure most people have seen information around the fact that ust corrosion can cause releases that could impact human health and the environment so we really have enjoyed being a part of our clients uh, solution to that um help them be very innovative uh in terms of tracking costs and help even helping the states you know come up with more cost effective ways of doing these cleanups so it's been uh, it's been really exciting to work for a lot of these companies. Excellent. Well, everyone listening that buys gasoline is also helping because in these states uh, that uh, 
that maintain these funds, they come from gasoline taxes. That's right. In large part. So and, and, helping, and the country's going through an energy transition right now. So all of this is going to change, of course. And so seeing into the future is uh, is an interesting challenge. Through a fog. Yes, into the future. through a fog. <laughs> yes. All right. Okay, so... This is an exciting business. I've always been um, inspired by what you do. Thank you. Um, why don't you Why don't you go through a little bit of uh, how you got this started? Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I should have been keeping a diary over the years. You know, I um, I think I've always been somewhat of a planner. I know, you know, I never. My daughter, when she graduated from college in 2013, she graduated with a degree in entrepreneurship. You know, entrepreneurship was not a degree when I went to college in the. Uh, in the 1980s, the early 1980s. But I know as I, you know, when I was in high school, I was always somewhat of a planner, pretty motivated. As I came out of high school in the 80s, you know, I, uh, you know, if you think back to that time, I, I felt a pressure to try to find a career and an education path that would allow me to still work if I started a family. You know, I, I knew I wanted to have kids, got married when I was 24. And uh, while I contemplated and did some preliminary coursework in college in journalism and engineering, I declared a major in accounting early in my college career uh, with the thought that public accounting might be a way to, quote, work for myself, never envisioning building a company or being in what I you know, now know as an entrepreneur. <clears throat> as I got my first job in a local CPA firm down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, I was introduced to both the tax world. I was doing estate and trust tax work and auditing. I like tax, but I really enjoyed the auditing and which did require a lot of travel. And um, after getting pregnant a couple of years into my job, I got tapped to work on a project in the late 1980s to audit environmental cleanup claims associated with these new state-administered underground storage tank cleanup insurance programs for the state of Florida. So this work didn't require as much travel, so kind of was ideal in my newfound role as a mom. And after not long learning about the firm's referral bonus program, that alone allowed me to go and sell new customers and get paid a bonus. And so I put some effort into that and found I liked the sales aspect of it. And so not long was I into that work a few years and ironically talked to one of our clients, a major oil company, about the idea of instead of the environmental consultants doing the cleanup and preparing the claims, what did they think about an independent company, not the CPA firm, preparing the claims and providing kind of a roll up. They had had hundreds of cleanup consultants all over the country. You know, what about somebody that came in and prepared the claims? I mean, databases, you know, were not quite a thing then. We were handwriting forms. So there was a lot of opportunity to innovate. Um, And so I kind of envisioned that as being very exciting. So I was lucky enough to have a great boss at a firm in Fort Lauderdale, by the name of Joe Barnes. I don't mind mentioning his name. He was just phenomenal. And uh, he mentored me and supported my desire to, to do my own thing. And I created environmental support specialties in December of 1995. So that was the start of my entrepreneurial, what I would call the true entrepreneurial career, even though I had inklings of wanting to work for myself long before that. Well, some of the primary ingredients there a discovered opportunity yes. that exists along with a market, uh, um, a market pull mm-hmm. that uh, some things need to be happen need to be happening. You had the vision of how this could happen better for those people who were paying for it, mm-hmm. and then you'd get a better solution, right? Uh, and then, you, and then you uh, had that other ingredient that's necessary for most entrepreneurs: a mentor. 
Yes. Um, as well as the, uh, the motive. And the motive obviously was, can I work for myself and take care of my kids and, mm-hmm. um, and all that. And so that's a pretty sophisticated way to get started in a, a business that uh, becomes more sophisticated as we go forward. Um, I, I remember uh, <laughs> early in the game when your business was only actually a few years old. Yeah. And uh, I began to work with you mm-hmm. and you you had claims managers and you really didn't think about anything other than getting all the information together for that claim and getting paid to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really nice business even at that time. Yeah. Um, we'll get into how it's changed. Yes. That'll be very, <laughs> uh, that'll be very interesting. Yes. Um, so you started this. Mm-hmm. Did you like most entrepreneurs of that time uh, start in some spare bedroom of your home? No, actually, when I started the company itself, I actually did go lease an office, a small office space not far from my home. It was maybe 1,500 square feet. So I left that CPA firm who was still going to audit claims. So here I was going to prepare. They were going to audit. And uh, I was lucky enough to have uh, somebody who's still with me today, Lori Brashers, agreed to come and see if I would be able to pay her. (laughs) And, uh, you know, she has done every job in the company, as have I, from you know, setting up offices. We've pro- we've moved and established offices um, several times in Florida and also in uh, places like Georgia, North Carolina. And we were early adopters of work from home um, as we recognized that we could hire talent outside of our area by allowing people to work from home. So that's kind of how it's evolved, I think. I, I didn't just start at home, I, I did have a, I actually looked back the other day, I actually remember going to CompuServe or CompuSmart to buy software to do my first business plan because solely because the uh, bank that I needed to get my first line of credit from required a business plan, which, you know, was not something you're taught as an accounting major. Well, at least not in the 19, no. late 1970s, early 1980s. So I, uh, had to write my first business plan. And it's funny to think, I, I even remember when I first met you, Les, you're saying uh, something, even this is in 2005 and already been in business for 10 years, you know, what's your five-year plans? And I'm like, five-year plans? I, I've got a one-year plan, <laughs> you know, and it was always focused on making sure, because I worked for, you know, these oil companies from the very beginning, you know, they had, you know, pretty high expectations in terms of staying innovative, you know, delivering results, making sure that there was always a return on investment, that we were just pretty demanding. And um, I really appreciated that because I think it really helped sharpen my skills. So to answer in a long form your question, no, I didn't start right out of the house. I uh, actually started with a small office and just grew from there. Yeah. Uh, Well, at that point in time, unlike today, uh, we we can't start businesses with a laptop and a cell phone. We had, (laughs) yeah, they didn't exist back then. That is so, that is so true. I mean, I think about that, you know, we didn't, I didn't have a website for many years, you know, until I needed one. I was even late to join the LinkedIn game because, uh, you know, I was a little leery of social media. And, you know, just even databases didn't exist when I started. And I created the first one. I don't even remember what I created it in. It was not Microsoft Access or SQL. But it was, you know, I really love the challenge of trying to get better at what we did. And I really... I thrived on our clients saying, wow, you know, this is really innovative, especially coming from a Fortune 100 company. You know, this is really innovative. This is interesting. And, um, you know, we really like your uh, improvements here. So, and I 
we really built the business on word of mouth. You know, we, we didn't have sales and marketing really, which is one of my regrets. We could talk about that later, but yeah, I really thrived on all of that in the beginning. Uh, the the uh, business model for your clients uh, is an interesting one because what Cindy does and all of her company does is help them to recapture um, millions of dollars each year, uh, tens of millions of dollars each year. And yeah. they get paid for the service of uh, uh, finding that money for them and clearing the cases and letting them collect on it. So you're not selling them something you're delivering. There are no widgets. There's um, uh, the, the res- mm-hmm. some total result is the states write them checks for lots of money. Yeah. And it's, it, it isn't just the states write them checks because they are paying into these funds. So it's, um, and, and a lot of the states prioritize smaller claimants cleanups. And, you know, the companies that I work for were fine with that and worked well with that. And and in many times, these contrary to popular belief, a lot of these clients were very innovative in cleanup strategies and how to get things done uh, correctly and help the states themselves learn how to be uh, better, better at what they're doing. So, and it taught me a lot about how to, how to advocate and, and uh, work as a team, you know, with stakeholders groups. So, yeah, so we were delivering mm-hmm. on financial results, uh, but trying to do it in a very cost-effective way and making sure, because they always had other objectives, like making sure that they're, you know, cognizant of what's required. So we've always been very sure to make sure we're delivering financial results at the same time, making sure everything's done correctly. Because reputation is very important to all of our customers. Yes. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And they just may end up in court with any of this stuff. So first you were, you operate your own business Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, very often people don't see themselves as a a CEO in today's uh, sense for a little while. They see that they're just operating a business and providing income for their family. So when did you begin (laughs) to see yourself as uh, the head of a significant business? Uh, that required planning and yeah. required uh, attention to growth, et cetera. Yeah, I thought you might ask that because, uh, you know, I was thinking back to when I met you in 2005 and this concept of working on their business and not in their business, that was a novel new idea to me. <laughs> and, you know, when you, I got a letter from you, I think is how I came to find you. And I was at a point 10 years in where, you know, we we would have portions of these oil companies works like in certain states. And then I would need to convince somebody else to give us a try. And so I remember that I needed to learn a little bit more about sales and marketing. And uh, even technology was now becoming a thing. You know, uh, I think one time we did a Vistage session. We talked about, you know, my generation is technology uh, pilgrims, where you have the, the, the current generations are natives. They never knew when there wasn't an internet, you know. So I think, you know, the yeah. the rapid pace of change, I mean, it's much more rapid now than when I started, but I think early on, I, ca- I became the CEO, I think, after I really joined Vistage, when I learned that I needed to work on the business. I needed to solve technology challenges by hiring people that specialize in technology. I needed to hire an HR manager at some point when I had enough staff that I couldn't help do payroll or I couldn't do, uh, I couldn't handle the marketing and sales on my own because we weren't doing it at all. We were handling it by word of mouth. And when I joined Vistage, it was right before, if you don't remember, Hurricane Wilma. And I think our first meeting, because you know it did cost something to join that group and, and to get coaching, I really found a lot of value after Hurricane Wilma where basically South Florida was shut down and 
you didn't know, you know, we had our servers were all in our offices. They weren't online somewhere. Uh, we didn't have things in, you know, uh, knocks somewhere that were protected. Um, so we were shut down and which it meant it shut down my other office that I had in Massachusetts at the time. So being a part of that group and, and hearing <coughs> collectively how we were all going to handle everything from how to get back up online and do we pay our employees and how do we handle customers and what can we do different going forward? I think that's when I really became a CEO was kind of learning from the Vistage group and also by experiencing that um, early catastrophe, you know, in 2005, we didn't lose the office or anything, but we lost access to electricity and internet for, <laughs> for all, over a month. <coughs> and so I think that's when I really learned to, right. you know, understand that I had to carve out time to work on the business more. Okay. Thank you. For those of you who may not know, Vistage is uh, a CEO peer group and um, executive coaching company that uh, I was associated with. And I'm a, uh, a Cherry Meredith from uh, now. Uh, and Cindy was uh, in my first group there. And absolutely, I remember that uh, day in November when we had our first meeting just after Wilma. And yeah, um, it was very interesting. I could, I could, t- yeah, I could I walk could you to the actually. room uh, in, uh, in the Marriott Hotel. Yeah. Um, so as you began to become successful, what were your most important early challenges uh, and your early successes? Yeah. We have them both. So. Mm-hmm. So some of my early challenges, I think, were, you know, having the confidence to get in front of these bigger customers, these major oil companies. It's such a small company, you know, a lot of the environmental consulting firms that were doing the cleanup work that actually would prepare the claims for them would say, you know, we'll do your cleanup work and we'll prepare your claims for free. And so it was really hard to compete with free. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to find my success by finding a key reason that was easy to understand and that I could get their attention with. So I kind of was building a marketing strategy, even though I wouldn't have recognized it as that back then, to entertain the notion of a unique company like the one I had created, that we could bring value to them as an independent resource for for doing this work, that there was value in having somebody that was not this the environmental consultant preparing these claims uh, with their own invoices to go into the the fund, that there was there were other benefits like uh, if you're a, if you're a major oil company with stations all over the U.S., it would be great to have the ability to compare consultants and how the work they're doing. If it, is it getting reimbursed? Are they following the state's rate guidelines or task guidelines? Are they meeting deadlines? And then also provide them cash flow forecasting, which was a skill I had as a trained accountant. So, and it was usually pretty easy, you know, once I could get in front of somebody. So the early challenge was figuring out who we didn't have LinkedIn back then, you know, who did I need to get in touch with and getting a meeting with them, you know, and flying to Atlanta, flying to Houston or California to meet with them and uh, being able to present that value statement pretty quickly and convince them that they should give us a shot. So that was our early challenge. And our early successes were you know, we picked up those, usually we picked them up as pilot projects to let us run one and then being sure to ask early on to expand the pilot and, and, and you know, take over management. And I don't think we've ever lost a client. Um, I can say that with certainty. We haven't lost any clients that we've been doing this work kind of as a, 
a management scope um, for all these years. So I think we found our secret sauce in that and they recognized it. So I would say though, and, and I would say another challenge that I really struggled with in the beginning was figuring out when do you hire department heads? Like when are you so big that you have to have a full-time HR manager? And what are the skills and knowledge they needed? And and how do I evaluate people? You know, my, my degree is in accounting. It wasn't in HR. So even hiring the HR manager took some work. And I think working with my Vistage group and with you, you know, really helped me to figure out when was the right time. And I would say another challenge, I think, of all small businesses when they get started is you many times have family or friends or you know, friends, kids who need experience. And I always had a real struggle evaluating objectively. Is this a good idea? Are they the right fit? Is this going to work for us? So I, and I don't think I'm alone in that challenge, but I found it challenging in the early years to say no, or, or this is, you know, even to come up with the right objective criteria. So, but I have found success in hiring people, um, you know, more objectively over the years and evaluating skills and using tools like PI and DISC and things like that. So um, we've been a lot more successful because I have clients just just sing the praises of many of our employees. Well, you've selected well. Yes, yes. Um, I have had some great hires. Been so many years ago. Thank you. It hasn't been so many years ago that uh, one of your concerns was uh, that you were hiring a lot of people who were indirect rather than direct uh, labor that could be charged for. Yes. And you were charging by the hour at that time. So yeah. that's an interesting concern, but one that um, uh, you felt, I think, more uh, more seriously than uh, other folks did because of your experience in accounting. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would uh, – th- that's a, a very interesting startup and um, a very interesting – reality that you're working under contract with uh, at this now and before with uh, large distributors of oil. And that'd be all the names that all of you know, BP and Exxon, Shell, Texaco, etc. And now things are changing. Mm -hmm. The world is changing. Um, You're uh, a dynamic company now operating in a dynamic industry. And could you thumbnail for us the uh, changes as you see it? And then let's talk about your reaction to those changes. Yeah. So the, so the changes um, that we're seeing is like, you know, uh, obviously back in 2008 to 2010, most of the major oil companies divested out of the retail market in the U.S. Didn't mean that they divested their uh, liability. They've still been cleaning up, but, you know, ensuring that we went and got the people that bought those (laughs) clients, you know, getting them into our, our environmental claims management service um, suite. And since then it's been, you know, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm approaching 60 now, and you get to the age where you're starting to think about what's your retirement going to look like. You know, I I always envisioned this as a a family-owned business, but I've been trying to develop a succession plan, you know, working with various people who've been giving me advice. And uh, one of the best hires I did make was uh, was bringing my son-in-law into the business, who is uh, exceptionally curious very strong in technology, you know, uh, um, I think over the years, Les, you've challenged me about, you know, the value of the the database work we were building, um, the value of big data, but really understanding how the tools of technology were changing were something that he was very good at. So as our, as our customers' needs have been changing and they've been uh, moving into various things, I mean, all of our clients are 
diversifying their own businesses as they look at the future of fossil fuels. You know, they're they're into other things now, like um, you know, alternative fuels like hydrogen. Uh, some are re-entering the market through various joint ventures. Others are doing, uh, you know, buying companies that do different things like delivering electric charging stations or adding them to facilities. And these are all things that I think my son-in-law, Nick, is very good at. He's just constantly reading, as am I, but he's he's really interested in, you know, what are some of the things we can innovate around? He's he's The one thing he's had that I didn't have was like this confidence to ask questions of clients to, to, you know, I was always a little bit reserved when I was with a lot of these clients in my early career in terms of staying in my area of expertise. And I think the one thing I've learned from him, and I've actually learned it from a number of other mentors is that, you know, you've got to ask good questions so that we can be aware of how their businesses are changing and how do we change to meet their needs? Because, you know, we can still offer the same suite of services for claims management to the people who own tanks now. But, you know, if you look at the future, you know, underground storage tanks and fossil fuels will be a part of our energy future for years to come. But the writing's on the wall in terms of the need to uh, deliver alternative um, energy. And I think as they evolve, we have to evolve. So we've added, like I talked about, entrepreneurship was not a thing. We now have, you know, innovation is actually a department, chief innovation. And it's, it's really interesting to see that work together in the business. So. We're innovating in response to how our clients are changing in terms of our services. So what I've noticed you're doing is moving not away from um, the UST business, but into other businesses and the other concerns where your people can help your large clients figure out um, how to maintain and uh, uh, and increase the value of the property that they own. In fact, yeah, right, right. Many of the clients that you serve are not even quite sure whether they own some of these properties or not. Uh, and and so, uh, uh, Cindy's people and her penchant for accuracy and ability to dig into databases and find things uh, are bringing considerable value to the clients that. Uh, really are in need now, and they're in need because in many cases, they've spun off whole departments or entire buildings of people. So this company that's been serving those clients for more than 20 years now has discovered lots of new ways to serve those clients. Can you just detail a little bit about some of the new events that you're doing for those clients? Yeah. So, yeah, as they... as. I mean, if anybody walked into some of the, you know, larger office buildings, I don't care if it's an energy company or something, a lot of them over the pandemic, a lot of people went home to work and there were extensive layoffs in the energy sector, you know, over the last several years. And I think, you know, there's value in key knowledge, you know, when they've lost some of that. So fortunately, you know, we've been able to retain, you know, understanding the legacy companies associated with some of these larger entities has been pretty valuable to them. So understanding where can you find documents? I mean, in any of our businesses, especially if you've had a business that's been around more than 20 years, just look at, you know, your digital files, your paper files, things are all over the place. You don't, you know, you've sold properties three times or it's been sold three times, you know, where are those agreements? So there's a realization that it's probably not just our current clients that have these issues. There's probably a bigger market and that's where we're focusing now is, 
We've hired some strategic subject matter experts in the area of GIS, cloud architects, uh, people that can help us do what you were encouraging me years ago, Les, which is one day the value of your data will be important to them. They just don't know it right now. And and I can Mm -hmm. see that happening. There's a tremendous demand for knowledge management, making sure that, you know, as companies evolve, that they retain the knowledge in a format for people that are uh, around in future years, Mm -hmm. and then helping them identify, you know, what real estate do they own in the U.S. and other countries. And um, as they make strategic internal decisions about do we keep the pump, pump the property and reuse it for carbon capture, carbon uh, sequestration, or other purposes, or do we sell it? So, um, adding these subject matter experts to our staff is helping us come alongside them as they face both new challenges, you know, or, or goals in terms of property reuse with a leaner staff and a, a leaner, not only a leaner staff, but it, lacking some of those legacy uh, resources that they had access to for so many years. So we're finding opportunities where they're coming to us just because they recognize that we've been able to deliver, you know, value over the years and because we have this legacy knowledge still here and our commitment to being innovative. I think that's really been, I mean, that's been repeated back to us many times. They've come to us and said, um, and, and I really, I mean, it, it's great to have a profitable company, but I've really taken a lot of pleasure in getting recognitions from some of these big companies about their appreciation of the work that we've done. There's, uh, It really has brought me great pride in the people that I work with and that I've hired that we've created processes, procedures, we've executed well, we've always looked to improve. And um, I think that as they continue to innovate and we ask good questions, you know, to make sure that we're coming alongside them to see if there isn't somewhere somewhere for us to help them. I think that we'll have a pretty successful company. I mean, remember in Vistage, we always talked about the world is changing fast. And I think the model we're building internally really is able to meet that need. Yes, um, I, I think uh, you're absolutely right. And we've talked for years about how the importance of that database. Uh, um, but what has turned out to be uh, of even greater importance is your interest in uh, innovation uh, and picking up where your clients yes. need you and and realizing that. And that's uh, often not very easy for entrepreneurs. Yeah. So congratulate you on doing yeah. that. And uh, I, I know we've looked at many different mm-hmm. uh, areas like uh, going toward the insurance companies, et cetera, over the years. And you have uh, come down to this direct approach with those clients that uh, have uh, a knowledge of you and a high value of you, and they're gaining in their sense of value yes. to you. Cindy, that's just terrific. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's really been, it's really been, uh, uh, you know, I could not have 30 years ago thought that this would be the point we're at in terms of getting that kind of praise. I mean, we had, you know, some of the top people in their organizations fly down to meet us and award us, uh, you know, with plaques and awards, you know, take our teams out to dinner just in gratitude for the work that we did and helping them meet their business mm-hmm. objectives or ex- in many cases exceed their business objectives. So there is, I take a lot of uh, pleasure in that. And well, you should. That's the, yeah. that's what every consultant or service company would love to have happen. So yeah, uh, congratulations on that. Okay. Thank so we, we've talked over the years. Mm-hmm. 
about changing that business. So uh, as those funds sunset, uh, those UST funds sunset, mm-hmm. uh, and the country, the world, moves more toward electric power mm-hmm. uh, for automobiles and the distribution companies that were uh, in the uh, strictly in the oil and gasoline business are now changing. You look at a a Wawa concept. Mm-hmm. Bucky's. <laughs> or, or uh, yes, Bucky's is another one. They're major merchandisers and they will be major merchandisers even when there are more electrical outlets than there are gas pumps. Uh, so that all changes. What's next for you? Mm-hmm. What's next for me? Well, I'm really, really committed right now. Um, you know, I've made some changes in the business. In addition to uh, just gone through a reorg internally, I actually, uh, over the years, you know, you've we always talked about it in our Vistage group, and you and I have talked about it over the years, is, is there a point in time I hire my replacement or somebody who can come in and uh, do the things that I don't have time to do because we're getting bigger, you know? So we've hired the HR manager, the marketing director, the sales director, uh, chief innovation officer, VP of operations. They've got their teams working under them. We implemented EOS, the entrepreneurial operating system years ago, uh, moved away from it for a little bit, moved back into that format. feel like the company is running um, fairly well, um, but I hired a president about six months ago, uh, somebody that comes with decades of experience uh, in bigger businesses uh, and in smaller businesses, family-owned businesses. And his key superpower uh, is in the area of sales and marketing. <clears throat> and uh, he also has a natural sense of curiosity about everything. And he's a tremendous networker. Uh, you know, when he's come in, he's really helped mentor my key staff members with all of that. And, he, and he's helped me to really feel more confident in working on advocacy. I mean, I've, he's helped me discover what are the things I really like to do. And I, what I really like to do is I like to solve problems. And I, I know that advocacy is one key way, working with other stakeholders, state regulators, thought leaders, uh, is something I actually enjoy doing. So he's freeing my time up to do more of that and create more value there for my clients uh, while he takes on the task of making sure that the entity and the organization runs on its own. So as he gets up to speed, it allows me to do more of what I want to do. It'll lead me to a point where I can see a uh, a sunset of my time here at Pinnacle in terms of a full-time commitment to it. Uh, you know, when I started the company, people used to say, oh, you work for yourself so you can make your own hours, which I, I always thought was funny because, <laughs> <laughs> as you know, I don't think I ever took a vacation in the first 20 years where I wasn't working every day of vacation, at least an hour or two. And to some extent, that's still true today. But, you know, I have aspirational goals as I get older. You know, I want time to continue to mentor people or work with organizations who are trying to do great things, enjoy things like gardening and reading, spending time with my family and grandchildren. So those are things, I mean, I always want to be connected with the business as long as they'll have me in terms of maintaining relationships with key people that I've had over the years or delivering on key knowledge uh, that keep this, the business successful. So that's a lot of what I, uh, what I'm kind of looking forward to. I love the idea that, you know, I never could see the five-year plan. I could see the one-year plan, but now I'm looking at what is the next 20-year plan? You know, what is, 
you know, what could be, you know, how, how can we operate, you know, how do we evaluate our competition? You know, what do we need to do? So I'm really looking forward to seeing the people that are here continue to strategize and grow. And I think having Gary in seat has been pretty critical to that. That's great. What you just described uh, over the past half hour here uh, is uh, an innovative entrepreneur going to business, spending the 10,000 hours and many more mm-hmm. to become the industry expert, creating value that you can bring to major clients that you can depend upon, um, experiencing a, a huge change in the business as a, mm-hmm. as it uh, copies in uh, the changes to the world around us and adapting to that. And now you're describing to me the process of uh, uh, taking on the chairwoman role as you move forward. Right. Yeah. <laughs> a board so, seat instead of an active uh, participant in the, I mean, I, I, I try to envision how far away that is now and I'm not quite sure, but I, I do see it. I, I see it more clearly now than ever. I see the, the things that I can let go of they're being handled and, imagining the new things I can be doing. Great. Yeah. Cindy, I wouldn't wonder that you uh, have inspired some people this morning with this story. It's the story that everybody would like to tell who's an entrepreneur. Yeah. If anyone is interested in getting in touch with you, how should they do that? Sure. They can absolutely um, email me at the, my email address is C Williams, C W I L L I M S at pinnacle EMS.com. P-I-N-N-A-C-L-E-E-M-S.com, or they can they can call me. My number is actually on the website, so you, you would find it there. And then the website is pinnacleems.com. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. So they go they go to the website, they'll find a way to get in touch with you. Yeah. I would I would I used to I used to know my phone number until technology has me on voice over IP or whatever you call this. <laughs> teams calling. So I, I never remember my phone number anymore. Kind of that's kind of a funny thing after all these years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yes. Number two. All right. So, Cindy, thank you so much for being with us this morning. You've um, uh, We've shared a lot together yes. over the years, but you've uh, certainly shared a, uh, a great deal this morning and a great value uh, for those people who are interested in how entrepreneurship has happened for other folks. Uh, and so thank you for being here. Thanks, Les. I appreciate it. Thank you for all the years of mentorship. <laughs> yeah. You're very welcome. This has been On Deck with Les Deck. Thanks for listening. In each episode, we uncover wisdom you can use to grow your business. If you want to learn more about leadership team coaching, visit us on the web at lessdeck.com. If you have questions or anything else you want to say, email us at less at lessdeckconsulting.com. Don't forget to click that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. This is a Less Deck production. Thank you.